Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. How many of you are ready for the word of the Lord today? I'm so excited. All right, Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for the word that we're getting ready to receive, prepare our hearts and minds that we may receive it well and it might make a difference. That it would be good seed that would grow up to be a great harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in the study of the book of Daniel. It's an Old Testament book. It's part of a bunch of books that are called prophetic books. You've got the major and the minor prophets. Daniel is a major prophet, which just means it's a longer book of of the prophets. I want you to know this, that there's one third of your Bible that speaks of future or prophetic events. One third of your Bible. Why would God give a third of the Bible that speaks to future events. I believe it's because he wants to inform us, he wants to warn us, and he wants to encourage us. There are some things in life that he wants us to look forward to, to look out for, because, you know, because he doesn't want us to be caught off guard. And so I want us to know today that while Daniel was written a long time ago, it has application for today. Somebody say amen. It, 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 has, it has power for today. In fact, I would even say that Daniel is one of those books. It has power for today. It has power for those that lived 500 years ago. And it has power for those that lived 100 years ago. And it will have power for those, come on, that are living in the very end times, the last days. We're in the end times now. But I want you to know that Jesus is coming back. And it's going to be applicable for those in that time as well. All right. So somebody say it's for us today and it's for us in the future. All right. So Daniel was written in a time in history when um, when Israel was taken into what is called Babylonian captivity. There was a man by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king of Babylon, which is modern day Iraq. Everybody know where Iraq is? If you don't, you can Google it real quick. And so that is the territory, the area. And uh, Babylon besieged Jerusalem and took many of the people, many of the Hebrews as slaves. And, 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 and the king was wanting to bring some special people into his own personal service. And so, so he said, listen, I want you to take those that have the greatest aptitude, that are really learners. I want you to take some of the best looking of the, of the Hebrews, because what we're going to do is we're going to put them through a few years of training and then we're going to bring them into the service of the king. And so they need to be good looking. They need to be smart, intellectual. They need to, you know, they just need to have a lot of, a lot of things together. We're bringing the best of the best to serve the king. And so Daniel, I want you to know throughout his life, he faced many challenges. Now, Daniel was, was brought into Babylonian captivity, they say right around, you know, 15, 16 years of age. Daniel lived to the ripe age of 90 years old. His, it, from the time he was 16 until the time he died at 90 years old, he was in Babylon. He served under four different kings, four different leaders. 
And he was having a constant challenge. His constant challenge was, is how do I live for God in an ungodly society, in a culture that is absolutely against the God that I serve? And so I want us to draw some lines of conclusion here that the same or there's some similarities between Daniel's time and the culture that he was living in and the time that we live in today. Because I'm sharing with you, if you do not know this, our society, our culture is going farther and farther away from God and not closer and closer. It is, it is slip sliding um, away as I shared this last week. And so he was challenged throughout his whole life Come on, how do I live in a secular culture, but yet remain faithful to God? You know, um, once again, people are embracing culturalism so much more every single day. It's changed so much, even in my, in my short life and certainly my, my you know, 25 years of, of, of walking with the Lord. I've seen I've seen it where it was really, really popular to be a Christian, and, and, and it's becoming more and more unpopular. But, uh, but I, I was just curious about some things, and while I couldn't get some up-to-date up answers through Google, because that's where I like to search, is, is do my Google searches, I, I just put into Google, I was like, I was like Google, um, what percentage of people, and, and listen, I'm not, I'm not, listen, I got some I'm not even going to go into all that. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad is what I'm trying to do. Because if it was wrong, I, I'll probably be the first one to say I did it, I did it wrong. But I, I was just curious. I was like, Googles, what percentage of people, you know what I mean, are virgins on their wedding night? And I couldn't find anything in 2020. I couldn't find anything in 2019. I couldn't find anything in 2018. The latest study that I seen was 2014. What percentage? There was a, an article done. And anybody just guess a, a percentage in 2014? What percentage of people on their wedding night were virgins? How about 3%? I heard 45%. 3%. Now, now listen, I don't know what it was in the 50s. I tried to get that number, but I couldn't get that number. But all I can tell you is, is that it was probably a lot higher number than 2014. And I'm just going to ask you, do you think we've got more people that are, that are, that are saving themselves to a marriage between 2014 or 2021 or less? Okay, so all I'm saying is, is that things that used to be very, you know, we live in a culture where literally even church folks are talking about, you know, you better try it before you buy it. And, 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 and there's a lot of things that, and listen, that means that most of us in here, if these answers are right, we didn't wait until we were married. So this isn't pointing the finger at anybody, right? All I'm saying is, is things that, that the Bible say are important, we are, you know what I mean, we're making room for. In fact, there's a real thing, and this I preached about this the first time five years ago. It's called three before 30. And we're not beating up on anybody that's ever had a divorce at all. That's not what this is about. But there's a real thing today, three divorces before the age of 30. And it's Pretty common, pretty common. And so all I'm saying is, is that 
that whenever we look at what God says is important to him and how culture is, is, is moving within that, there's a big difference. And all I'm saying is, is that we could change it. We can change it. Amen. We, we can, we can, we can, we can have some convictions and, and get back to those things that are important. Um, you know what I mean? To the Lord. And so, so my prayer is that today that we will just listen. This isn't about pointing fingers. This is really about listening to what is it that the Lord is sharing to me? Like it doesn't matter what I think or anybody else thinks about anybody in this room really. But what does matter is what is the Lord speaking to me with that I'm responsible for. And so today we're titling the message, the greatest or the great test of faith. Daniel chapter three is where we're going to begin. We're going to fast forward to Daniel chapter six. We're going to come back to Daniel chapter three. We might spend a little bit of time um, in Ezekiel, a little bit of time in Isaiah. We're going to talk about a lot of Bible. Buckle your seatbelt. I'm going to go real fast because I don't want to keep you here till 2.30. Okay? How many of you say amen to that? I'm going to try to get you out of here in 35 minutes. You're going to need some help, Pastor Travis. Yes, I am. So pray. All right. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 1 says this. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high, 9 feet wide. And he set it upon the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon, which is modern day Iraq. He then summoned the satraps, the prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. I think it's interesting, this huge golden statue, 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide, was an image of himself. And so he sets up this idol of King Nebuchadnezzar, they're dedicating it. And so the satraps, prefects, governors, all these great officials, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. Then they herald loudly proclaimed, this is what you are commanded to do. So listen, I'm telling you, it's one thing to have an idol. It's another thing to be commanded to worship that idol. Now listen, let's say you graduated with somebody in high school. And you're, you're in your 40s now. And you get reconnected with that person in high school. They're like, oh, listen, we just moved back to the area. You got to come over. We're going to have dinner. Come over this Friday. And so you're just all excited. You take your, you take your wife over there. And you're just looking forward to a night of just catching up and sharing stories. And, and you walk into the entryway. And you walk through the big door and right to the right, whenever you come in, you see this big old statue, like a real ornate statue of Buddha, a big Buddha, like, like life-size Buddha. And you're like, oh, Joey went Buddhist. I guess that's all right. And so you walk in, you're just like, listen, we'll have a lot to talk about. That's cool. But Joey stops you at the door and he says, listen, you know, before we go in and partake of the meal, listen, you can see that we're, you know, we're Buddhists and whatnot. What I want you to do is I want you to take off your shoes. And I just, I just want, you know, so the house remains clean. I want you to, I want you to kneel before Buddha. And I want you, I want you to light the incense at the base of Buddha there. And I want you just to bow to Buddha like three times. You know what I'm saying? What do you do? It's like, listen, let's go to Wayside. Let's, let's go catch up at, at the Wayside Cafe, you know, because I'm not going to do all that. 
I'm, I'm not going to do that just to, you know what I'm saying? So it's one thing to have an idol. It's another thing to be forced to worship that idol. All right. In your lifetime, I want you to know that you're going to be forced to do some things that go against your faith. In your lifetime, and maybe it's already happened, I want you to know you're going to be forced to do some things that go against your faith. So the only right question is, is what are you going to do? Are you just going to just, ah, it's really not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. I'm going to Wayside. That's what I'm doing. All right. It goes on. Oh, people's nation and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre. Don't want to play that. It's called a lyre, actually. Harp pipes and all kinds of music. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately blow, be thrown into a blazing furnace. And so I also want you to recognize here, what is the motivation for the worship? Fear. Fear is the motivation of worship. Now, I hope that you don't worship God out of fear. You know, the, the, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not in the sense of, oh my God, I got to worship him or else he's going to kill me. Like it's a fear, it's an honor, it's an admiration that this is the God of all creation, that everything that has been created has been created, you know, by him. And so there's an element of fear, but not fear that, that I'm going to be, you know, killed or destroyed. Like the motivation of you serving the Lord should be love. That, man, I appreciate God so much for his forgiveness. I thank him for the life that he has given me, the mercy, the grace that I've received, right? Come on, there's nothing like entering into these waters of baptism, brother, and knowing that all your sins have been washed away, never to be brought up against you again, right? Pretty cool. And so, so this motivation of false God worship is fear. Our motivation needs to be love, all right? The first goal of the enemy has happened here in Daniel, and that's number one, you'll be asked to worship something that you don't believe in, and if you choose not to, there's going to be consequences. You got to get ready, church. You, you've got to be ready. So what do you do? All right, the next story that I'm going to share with you is much the same, but it's got a twist. Go ahead and turn to Daniel chapter 6 and verse 5. It says, finally, these men. And who are these men? These are, these are a group of new men that are serving a new king. And so, and so you've got Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. And to your east would be to your right. So, so modern-day Iraq. And right directly to the east of Babylon is where the Medes and the Persians are. So you got Babylon, then you got the Medes and the Persians. Well, King Darius, which was over... The Medes and the Persians, they overtook Babylon or modern day Iraq, and now he is the new king in charge. Remember, I told you Daniel served under four kings. Come on, Darius was one of those kings. Now, now King Darius loved Daniel. In fact, they had a little bit of a relationship, and he even he even looked at Daniel as a God-fearing man. King Nebuchadnezzar liked Daniel only because of what Daniel could give to him or get for him. And so, and so there's a relationship there, but how many of you know that when you've got a relationship with the king, it causes jealousy amongst the kingdom. 
And so here Daniel has this favor in King Darius's eyes, but all of these leaders, these, these magistrates and, and, and satraps and precepts, all these people, they were, they, were, they, were, they were desiring to get rid of Daniel. And so finally these men um, said this, that we will never find any basis for charges against the man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. And so listen, we can't find anything wrong with him. So let's attack his religion is basically what they're saying. So the administrators, the satraps, all these people, this group of people said, oh, King Darius, live forever. See, now, now they're, they're building the king up because they're, come, they're backdooring him. They're, 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 they've, they've got a plan, and, and they're, they're fooling the king so that they could set a trap for Daniel. Oh, man, you are so awesome, king. And, and, uh, and, and they come to the agreement that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to God or man during the next 30 days, except you, O king, of course they can worship you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. So I want you to, I want you to pick up on two things real quick. Just a few moments ago, I shared with you that they set up the idol 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. And they said, listen, when you hear the music sound, you have to worship this. And now, in the second story, the twist is, and you can't worship that. You have to worship this, and you can't worship that. I want you to remember that. It goes on, now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So the king put it in writing. I want you to know that there is a battle over your worship. There has been a battle over worship since the beginning of time. There was a battle over worship 200 years ago. There's a battle over worship today. And I want you to know that there's going to be a battle over your worship when Jesus comes back. This whole thing is about a battle over worship. In Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, it tells of a story how Lucifer, an angel, the angel of worship, he was in charge of worship. Lucifer, right? He was cast out of, out of the, 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 the kingdom of heaven. Why was he cast out? Because he wanted to be worshipped. He was the leader of worship, giving God worship and praise, leading other people. But something entered into his heart. I believe it's over five times in, in just the book of Isaiah. He said, I will be exalted. I will be praised. I will be lifted up. I will be worshipped. And so how do you think God dealt with that? Well, God says, listen, no power you won't. And so he kicks him out of heaven. Now, a lot of people, not all people, but a lot of people believe that this took place between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. I don't think this deep. So I, I'm, I'm just sharing with you a lot of, it really doesn't even matter to me, but I'm sharing with you what, what matters to, to people like, when did this happen? I don't even ask these questions, but when does, so Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1-2, then the earth became formless and void. People believe that in this moment of chaos is whenever Satan was kicked out of heaven and, and to the earth. It was formless and without void. And then God says, listen, let's fix this. Verse 3, let there be light. If you go down, I think, verse 26, 27, 28, somewhere around there, God is putting order to things. And one of the things that he does to bring order back 
is he creates man in the image and likeness of God. Now listen, you've got a cherub that's been kicked out of heaven that was the worship leader that now doesn't have a job. And now he creates man. What job does he give man? Worship. Worship. That is our job. That is your job. It's my job to worship him, to praise him. In fact, the Bible says things like this. If you won't worship, I'll cause even the rocks to cry out. Right? So that is our job. Our job is to worship him and to give him glory. Amen. All right. Revelation talks about how it's for God's pleasure that you were created. To say things like, you're worthy of honor, glory, and power, oh God. This is why so many people love music. So many people love music. I don't know about you, but have you ever been moved? You don't even have to, men, I know you can be men. You ever been just moved by a song to cry? You don't have to admit it. I know most of you have. I've been driving down the road, get wrecked by a song so bad. I'm like, what is going on? Am I going through the change or what? Do, do men even go through the change? I'm having to pull over. You know, I'm all sobbing. And people are, you broke down, no man. I'm all good, I'm good. Yeah. But also, and this is, this is funny, and a lot of people don't know this, but this is the absolute truth. I grew up on gangster rap music. I'm not even going to sing any lyrics or even tell you who some of them are. But I can guarantee you, if it was in the 80s or 90s, I probably know all the lyrics to it. And I'm telling you, music can cause you to cry and be sensitive. It can move your emotions. But how many of you know... How many of you know you start listening to some of that stuff that you used to listen to? Next thing you know, you're getting all tight and pent up and angry and, you know. I mean, it can cause you to be, it can cause, like music moves people. Why? Because we were created, come on, to worship. And worship just isn't the singing of songs and music. It's a lifestyle, but it is definitely a part of of, of, it's interesting. Listen, when you hear the music start, this is when you're going to bow and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna start worshiping this false idol that has been. Why? Because worship is connected to music. This is why we, can, we, we are given instruments with our voices. Some of you very good. Some not so good. Some of you really, really amazing. Some need some work. But all of us can clap our hands, not always on beat. Anybody ever mess you up? You know, you're just on beat, and then all of a sudden, that person next to you, they're like trying to find it, and you're messed up now. Follow the drummer, right? But you've got percussion instruments that are just built into you. You can, you can stomp and, and, and clap and, and sing, right? Come on, we're created to, to praise. And some people that I've even met in this church, like they'll come in after worship is all finished. I'm like, hey, listen, why are you always 30 minutes late? Well, I just really don't like that worship stuff. I'm like, that's cool. That's cool. You're going to find out that you're worshiping something. Like everybody is a worshiper because you were created to worship. It's just you don't like the worship that goes to the... Anyway, I'm... Not... But it's funny, you go to like the, anybody go down to the 4th of July, we get some really cool bands. Some of the same people, come on, that, that, that come in, you know, 
come in 30 minutes late every Sunday after Sunday. I just, I'm just not big on that all singing. Makes me feel weird. They're in the front row stomping their foot, you know, giving, giving Fourth of July band their best. That's all I'm going to say. You, you know, all right. Everything started with the battle of worship and everything is going to end the same way. In the New Testament, the Antichrist, I told you a lot of this book is prophetic, but in the the Antichrist is going to rise up. He's going to set up an idol of himself in the temple and you're going to be forced to worship. Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse three, talking of the Antichrist, it says this, don't let anyone deceive you in any way. Why? Why would it even say that? Because there's a tendency for mankind to be deceived. So he's saying, listen, don't be deceived. I'm warning you. Don't be deceived in any way. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, which is the Antichrist, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt. I think that's interesting that that's there. He will oppose and exalt. It's interesting that that's the exact same thing we just read in Daniel. He will, uh, he will come against you and say, listen, you cannot worship that. And, and he will exalt himself. You have to worship this. He will oppose your worship here. And he will, he will mandate you to worship. He will mandate you to worship him. All right, so da, 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 da. he will oppose and exalt uh, himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. So that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. People call this the abomination of desolation. Satan builds a statue of himself in Jerusalem. When this takes place, you should probably uh, know that the end is close. Go to Revelation chapter 13 and verse 14. It says this, because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast he deceived the inhabitants of the earth he ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword but yet lived he was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed once again the worship is forced not out of love, but out of fear. If you don't worship, then you're going to be killed. Okay? All right. It goes on to say, he also forced everyone, small and great. Somebody say small and great. Rich and poor. Somebody say rich and poor. Free and a slave. Follow? All right. To receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead. You guys have read this before, right? I don't know about you, but I grew up in a church that sometimes they would bring in-time pastors in and I didn't know from day to day if I was going to heaven or hell. And I was afraid that the mark of the beast was coming because I wasn't going to be able to buy, sell, or trade. And what are we going to do? And I'm just telling you this, that it's not about the mark. Even though this is true, you may not be able to buy, sell, or trade. But this is not about just the fear. This is all about worship. Who are you going to worship? There's a battle for your worship. Are you going to worship God or are you going to worship what's convenient? Are you just going to do whatever? All right. And so it goes on to say there's a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark. This becomes the currency. So imagine going to Walmart and, and listen, when I was a kid, you couldn't even think that something like this would ever come in your lifetime. But now there are businesses like these key fobs, right? Everybody's got them to get into, 
I mean, we want to put key fobs on the church just to make it easy for people to get in the church. But take that a step further. Put a little chip in your hand. And everything, all your credit card information, everything there is to know about you is on that chip. And I'm just saying that this is taking place today. There are businesses that literally, instead of the key cards, who wants to mess around with? Remember those old things you'd clip on your belt and you'd just like pull it down? You know, how cool would it be just to be like this or a retina scan or something? All I'm saying is, is that technology is just, man, it's quadrupled so stinking fast. It's, it's there today. But once again, it's not about not being able to buy, sell, or trade. It really... Like the motivation is, who are you going to worship? Who are you going to worship? So the Antichrist is motivated to do two things from Genesis to Revelation. Number one, I want you to know this. Are you guys all right? Is everything all right? All right. So number one, <laughs> I just wish you could see the looks that, that I look at sometimes from this view. Um, Satan, wants, Satan wants to exalt man above God. This is something that the Antichrist desires. He wants to, he wants to exalt man above God. He wants you to worship anything else, but, but God, he wants to put anything. And guess what? If you can't find something to worship, Satan will help you find something to worship. You know, you, you may never be a person like, you know what? Yeah, I'm a Satan worshiper or this or that. Like, like it doesn't have to be that extreme. Like his, his desire is for you to worship and put anything else above the Lord. And if you can't find it, he'll help you find it. All right. Uh, I had some friends that, you know, I kept hearing this was years ago, maybe about 10 years ago. Uh, hedonism, hedonism. I had some friends that went down to, went down to Mexico and, and they would have these, uh, uh, hedonistic vacations. I'm like, what is this? I'm seeing hedonism everywhere. And so I went to Google's like, what is hedonism? And hedonism is, hedonism is whenever you, you, you make a choice if something is good or bad based on how you feel about it. And so these, these hedonistic getaways, they, they, they have no standards whatsoever. Like you can, you can go on these getaways and there's nothing that's wrong. Like if you feel like doing it, you can do it. It's the same type of a thing that we talked about weeks ago. What happens in Vegas? Like that was a marketing ploy. Like, listen, what happens in Vegas, you're bringing something home with you. And hopefully it's just a little shame or, or, you know, some guilt or some things like, hopefully it's nothing that you're going to pack for the rest of your life. But I'm telling you that what happens in Vegas, don't stay in Vegas. You bring it right home with you. And it's the same thing. Like you can create space and say, whatever it is that you feel like doing, man, just go. And if you think that there's no consequences, you are foolish. You are foolish. We talked about this morning, the beautiful power of peace. And you don't even realize how important peace is until it's gone. Man, I've been in some uncomfortable situations because of stupid decisions that I've made. The removal of peace has left Travis because of Travis's stupidity. And I'm just saying, man, you don't appreciate peace until 
Peace is gone. And then you're just like, man, I would love to have my peace back. I would absolutely love to have it back. And so, so hedonism is all about, don't judge me. There's no standard any longer. You know, you just kind of create whatever, you know, you live, you, you become really a God of yourself. You are the judge. You're the jury. You're the, you know what I mean? It's my life. YOLO. That's been a while. You brought that back. It's pretty new for me, actually. But I'm telling you, this is following in, it's falling into the church as well. We have to have some, some convictions. Are we a church of grace and mercy? You better believe it above it. Do we love people however they are? Yes. Come as you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Come on. It's not a, it, this house is not filled with a bunch of self-righteous, pompous people. This house is filled with broken people getting better. But I'm telling you, if we ever become the church that doesn't have any standards, the church that says, oh, don't worry about it, just do whatever, then we're not a church of Jesus any longer. Right? Come on, come as you are, but don't stay that. Don't remain that way. Come out from that place, right? And, uh, and so your God can be business. It could be career. It could be money, sports, shopping, hunting, fishing. Osterhout, you didn't hear that from me, but no, I'm just totally. <laughs> All of us boating. What is you? What could it be? What could it be? Relationships, lust, sex, power, your body, Facebook, social media, right? You anything that you put ahead of God is is the very thing. That you, that you worship. I was at the gym just yesterday. There was a guy that I was able to connect with. And, and he's a Christian, Christian guy. I hadn't seen him in a long time. And he come up and he said, Pastor, man, how are you doing? I said, man, I'm doing good. I, we talked about the new year briefly. I said, how are you doing? He said, man, I've been struggling. I'm like, why? He's, he, he had a bad relationship, breakup, lost his, lost his, his, uh, his spouse. And um, they just separated. And and he said, man, it's tough. It's tough. I was like, man, I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't even imagine, you know. It's like, it's tough. And he said, I've made some bad decisions. I was like, oh, yeah. He said, man, I've just been pursuing. I just wanted somebody to share life with so, so much, man. I'm just really pursuing, pursuing people and pursuing love. And so I just thought it was like a cool time to ask him. I'm like, got any New Year's resolutions, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And we were just kind of talking and, and I said, you got any New Year's resolution? He, you know what he told me? And I thought this was so powerful. He said, I'm not going to chase love any longer. I'm going to let love chase me. I'm going to let love chase me. I thought, man, that's so good. So good. It's crazy how, how you can have those cool conversations just a matter of time. But uh, um, today I want you to know this, that we live in a time where people are being forced to do things. Or you could even say worship things that are against their faith. 2013, 2014, um, the government had a, uh, a mandate that was coming out, healthcare mandate. This has been wrestled with um, back and forth even since then. But, uh, but the mandate was this, that if you provided maternity benefits, part of the mandate was this, that if you provided maternity benefits um, to your employers, your employees, then you also had to include things like abortion and you also had to include things like, and, and this isn't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against any, I'm not against abortion. I'm just talking about things that, 
that drive home the day that we live in, right? I understand that it's very, very possible that there are people here that may have made a decision to abort because I understand what it's like to be afraid and fearful. And it's like, man, I can't do this. And so I'm, before I go any further, this is why we need ministries in the church that are pro-life ministries that are going to come alongside and help people figure out how we can adopt children for less expensive than having to take out another house payment to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like there are ministries that need to be birthed. And so Grace Church will never be the church that we're known against what, you know, we're known for what we're against. We need to be known for what we're for. But I'm telling you, 2013, 2014, they're coming out of this. If you're going to do maternity leave, then you also have to, you know, include in that, you know, uh, you know, steps so that pe you could pay for people's abortion, the Catholic church and, and, and companies like Hobby Lobby and, and, and other Christian companies, they came together and they said, no, you know, it's one thing, you know, to have abortion, but we believe in the sanctity of life. We believe in the value of life from the time of inception until the time the person passes away. Like that is a human being, a person in the womb. That's what they believe. So it's, it's like, listen, this is how you can look at it. It's okay. I mean, it's not okay, but it is what it is. Our culture, our society, abortion is an option. But I'm telling you, it's just like that statue being, being raised up. Now you're, they're saying, listen, if you provide these benefits, you also have to provide these benefits. Now, can you imagine tax dollars that you, that you, that you Tithes, not tax dollars, tithes that you pay to the church. Can you imagine if a portion of that is mandated that it has to go, come on and, 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 and provide for people to get abortions whenever we, that's not our place. That's not, that's not what we believe in, right? And so I'm telling you that these things are happening. I, don't, I could go on and on. We're in the middle of stuff right now that doesn't even have to be spoken of. But I'm telling you, as we get closer to the second coming, there are going to be things raised up where you're going to have a check in your spirit. But people are going to be forcing you to do something. And, the, and, the, and the, the, the motivation behind what they're forcing you to do is going to be fear. You know what they told the Catholic Church? The Catholic Church said this. We ain't going to do it. They didn't say it like that, but that's, if I was the Catholic church, that's how I'd say it. We ain't going to do it. And so the government said, okay, fine. We're going to, we're going to fine you a million bucks a day. And you know what the Catholic church said? Get to fining. Why? Because they had some conviction because they had some conviction. Oh boy. What are your convictions? What are your convictions? All right. All right. So Daniel, how did Daniel deal with this? Daniel chapter three and verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. What matter? Worshiping this 90 foot idol, nine foot wide, 90 feet tall. We don't have to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, because that was the fear, that was the driving force. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God that we serve is able to save us from it. 
and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the, Im the image of God that you set up. Why would they say that? Because they had some conviction. What's your conviction? You gotta come to the place, I'm gonna hit this again before we go. You gotta come to the place to know what you're gonna worship and what you're not gonna worship no matter what. Do you have any convictions? I believe this room is filled with them, but I can't speak for everybody. Like somebody might be searching themselves right now and it's like, man, I don't even know if I got any convictions. I don't even know if it like really came down to it. If it was gonna cost me something, I don't even know. I don't even know what I would do. And all I'm saying is if that's you, spend some time with the Lord, amen? Get some things figured out because you're gonna need to know it on the front end and not at the moment, come on, that you're, that you're, that you're dealing with it. Not that God can't give you what you need at the moment. All I'm saying is, is that it'd be good for you to spend some time thinking about it. All right, number two is this, the Antichrist spirit at work in the world today wants to stop the worship of God. Idaho is the greatest place on the planet to live in my, in my humble opinion. I love Idaho. Thank the Lord we live in Idaho and thank God we live in the Minicasha area. And I want you to know this, that there are 52 countries in our world today where the Bible is illegal, where you can't even possess a Bible. Why in the world would that book be illegal? Do you know our neighbor just to the north of us in Canada? If you read in public certain parts of the Bible, it's illegal. Why? Because it's considered a hate crime. That's, that's to the north. God bless Idaho. And God bless the United States of America. But there are some states, come on, that are shifting quicker away from, from, from God. And I'm just glad I live here. It's a good place to live. So what did Daniel do in this situation when he was told that he had to worship and, and, and or else he was going to be thrown into the, the fiery furnace? Daniel 6.10 says this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, the decree not to worship God, he went home to his upstairs room where the window was open. He wasn't hiding anything. It was opened towards Jerusalem three times a day. Three times that day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So what happened? Of course, they were looking out for it. The men, those men that were against him, all those, all those leaders, right? These men went as a group and they found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and they spoke about his royal decree. Hey, king, you remember you said that anybody during this 30 days worship another man or worship God, that they were going to be thrown into the, yeah, yeah, I remember. Well, guess what, Daniel? And remember, this is in accordance with the Medes and the Persians. Yep, you're absolutely right. I gave my word. And, and so they threw him in the lion's den. They threw Daniel in the lion's den. And guess what? The king King Darius loved Daniel like he really liked him. So he was conflicted, but he gave his word. He gave the mandate that this is what's going to happen. So he throws him in. But guess what? He's up all night. He's stressed out. He's like, oh, man, my friend Daniel. So early in the morning, the king, King Darius, runs to the lion's den. He's like, Daniel, 
Are you in there, Daniel? Are you in? He said, yes, king, I'm here. What are you doing? I'm just hanging out with the kitties. I'm just petting the cats. I'm just So they opened it up. The Bible says that, that God shut the mouths of the lions. So they opened the door. They rescued Daniel. Not that he needed to be rescued. God had already rescued him. And those lions, man, they had been fasting all night. And so he took all of those that were against Daniel. And guess what? He fed them to the lions. Come on. How great is our God? How great is our God? Right? These last days, I promise you, I'm almost done. These last days, who or what will you worship? Because there's many, many options. You've got to ask yourself the question. And guess what? It's going to take guts. I was thinking about this. When I was a kid, how old am I? That's right. I'm 50. <laughs> Every Sunday. <laughs> Who said that? I heard that. <laughs> I'm going to call you mom. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no. So when I was a kid and I was hanging out with my friends, you know, we, we rode BMX bikes all over the place. And uh, when, when there was a challenge, whether it was climbing a tree or setting up a ramp to jump a ditch, this is one of the, one of the sentences that we would use on our... Terry, you'll, you'll, maybe you remember, maybe you even use this a couple of times. So we'd set up a ranch ramp to maybe jump a big ditch. And then we would have the conversation would start. Who's got the guts? You got guts. And what that was saying is, is do you have what it takes? You know what I mean? To be the first to try whatever this thing is. You got guts. People will be like, I ain't got guts. And I'm just saying that if you're really going to be a Christian, in these days, because everything that can be shaken will be shaken. If you're really, really going to serve the Lord, I'm just telling you right now. First of all, I'm telling you, not everybody's going to make it. And that breaks my heart. And I hope that I hope that everybody in Grace Church, plus hundreds of more people that we reach in this community will. But I'm going to tell you, it's not for the faint hearted and it's going to take some guts. You know what I mean? Like you really have to, you got to just be in it. If, if a person is half stepping, they'll half step right away from the Lord. And so, um, so how do we know if we got guts? We got to give ourselves a checkup. Jesus is the standard. Jesus gives us this in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. And I'm closing with this heart and soul is your affections. Like, what are you in love with? What do you love the most? Because whatever it is that you love the most is the thing that you worship the most. And it can be a lot of things. Even good things, come on, in the wrong order are bad things. Like, if you say, man, I like if I was to get up here and say, I love my wife more than, and I love my wife. Man, I love my wife. My wife has been so good to me. God bless me with a great woman. But I'm telling you what, if I got up here and I said, man, I love God more or love my wife more than anything, that is a, that's out of order. It needs to be God first, my wife second, my family, and then my ministry, right? My wife comes before my kids. Did you know that? Somebody needs to listen to that right now today. Your wife comes before your children. Your wife comes before your children. Yeah, your, your husband. That's right, Matthew. That's right. 
All the guys are like, yeah, amen. My wife comes to be warm. Yeah, that's good. All right. I'm going to skip that heart and effect. Your mind, what do you think about the most? Whatever you think about the most is the thing that you worship the most. And I just want you to know, once again, the Antichrist is trying to get your attention away from God. And then the third thing is your strength, your abilities. What are you doing for God? We can give our energy and our ability to so many things. Like there are people in this community that they are known for having a meticulous lawn. Like, like their, their lawn is their pride. And I just wonder, is it possible that you can give more attention to your grass that is growing in front of your yard than God? For some people, you bet. You guys got it. I don't need to say anything else. All I'm saying is, is that I really feel like God is saying, he's just calling us back to center. He's stabilizing us. Not to get all crazy or fearful or whatnot, but just to really kind of do this, this checkup. Where are we at in our, are we just kind of testing him out? I guess that's okay. That's okay. Test him out because you're going to find out that he is good. I'm just saying this, that if you've had some convictions, if you're going the other way, like, yeah, I used to believe this, but now I'm just kind of wishy-washy on the whole thing. You know, I just, I really, really do just challenge you. Stir yourself up in your most holy faith. Get in your Bible. Get into fellowship. Worship God because there's a battle over your worship. I think it's interesting, and I wasn't even going to touch this, but, but I think it's interesting, and I shared this with, uh, with our, our team before first service, if, if you were to do a, if you were to do, <laughs> if you were to go around to a bunch of different churches around the United States of America and say, what does the Bible say about worship? You'd have a lot of people that would say, wow, it's just about being in the presence of God, just kind of being reverent and quiet. A lot of people would say just quiet. The only problem is, is while it sounds really neat, you're not going to find anything in God's word that supports it. What you're really going to find in God's word is something that you might see at a Seattle Seahawks game when they're defeating whoever it is that they're defeating. That's my team. So, oh, really? Not a fan? Go Hawks. All right, brother. You and me, man. But that is really what worship is, how it's described in, in the Bible. I'm not saying just come in here and just get all wild, but I'm telling you what, if you can, if you should be able to get excited about anything, it should be about, it should be about my brother, what you just experienced, the forgiveness of God today. Amen. Like if they, if there's something that should excite us, you know, it excites all heaven when one person Ask Jesus to forgive them of their sins. You know what? There's a party that goes. This is scriptural. I'm not just making this up. Ah, I think there's probably a party going on up there. No, this is very, there is a celebration when one person repents and gives their heart to the Lord. Shouldn't we start to celebrate right here? Amen. We got a lot to be thankful for. Uh, guys, just real quick. I'm just going to ask you if, if this message has, has uh, spoken to you. For me not to give you an opportunity to respond would be 
would be just crazy. Um, if you feel charged and challenged to, to go a little bit deeper, to trust a little bit more, to love a little bit stronger, um, to serve a little bit better, to pay attention to the things that are important to God, more going into 2022 than you have been in 2021. All I'm going to ask you to do, if that's you, if you're making that kind of a commitment today, would you just just raise your hand? So, so we got a bunch of people right here, awesome, all over the place. My hand's raised. I, I want 2022 to be the best year. And I know this, I know this, that for me, the best year is going to be the, the better I am at yielding to the things of God, the better my year is going to be. I've just walked with God long enough to realize that. And so, and so I'll, also the last thing is I just wonder if there's anybody here that you've never given your heart to the Lord. You've never given, you've never said the sinner's prayer. You, you're like, listen, this is all so, you know, so new to me. I don't even know if I'm saved or not. The Bible says that if you simply believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And a lot of people struggle with that because it's too simple. But the work of the Holy Spirit is the only thing that really can bring you to that place of really believing that. And so, so it's like an agreement. Yeah, Lord, I believe. And, and I don't know all things, and, but I don't need to. I'm making a decision to follow you. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And if that's you, like if you just want to receive Jesus for the first time and just ask him to forgive you of all your sins and wrongdoings. You know what? He, he's faithful to do that. But if you want to do that, I just want to give you the opportunity. Is there anybody here that wants to do that this morning? If you do, just raise your hand. Everybody's good. I'll give you another second. Right here, sir. Thank you. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Awesome. It's that simple. It really is that simple. We're going to pray a prayer here, and I just want you to make that, make that your own. But can I be the first to, to just welcome you to the family of God? Thank you for being here, and welcome to the family. You're now part of us. So this is what I want you to do. Is everybody stand to your feet. Let's go ahead and pray this prayer. Really, really simple, but make it your own. Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross for me. I ask you to forgive me my, of my sins. And I ask you to come into my life and take charge. And help me, Lord, as I struggle with that at times. But I truly want to serve you. I want to walk with you all the days of my life. My life is not my own. It now belongs to you. And I pray, Lord, that you would just, just help me. God, you know you know what I have been going through to lead me to this point. And I guess, God, what I'm saying is, is I just, I'm, I'm trusting in you. Help me, Lord. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Guys, listen, because of time's sake. Yeah, come on, celebrate just a little. That's fantastic. Because of time's sake. We're not going to spend a lot of time taking the offering and the tithe. This is a giving church. You know how to give. You can give online. You can give on the way out. Just because we're not spending a lot of time on it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. So, so, so be faithful with your tithe and your, and your finances because we are able to do a lot of things because of it. And, uh, and let's go ahead and just close our service with worship. That's it for today's teaching. 
Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.